from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Podcast episode 190, The Kessel Run. I'm your host, Ryan, and welcome back, everyone. Yes, this is another episode of The Kessel Run. This one I'm doing as a solo, probably be a shorter episode, but it's something I've been wanting to get back to for a little while now, actually a long while now, and I'm sure you guys are eager for me to get back to it, is uh, John and myself, and as well as myself with Robert, have done some of the G.I. Joe issues of the Marvel run and everything to kind of get that back in the rhythm of covering those issues, those past issues. And, you know, John and I have been doing the Micronauts uh, and everything, but haven't gone back yet to cover the Transformers issues and the Star Wars issues of the old Marvel run. In fact, the last time I think we've covered any of those issues was back in episode 73, I believe it was. So, and that's over a hundred episodes ago. So th- that's way too long. want to get back to the things that we always loved doing on the show and that I always loved doing on the show, which was covering some of those classic runs. So in this episode, I'm actually going to get back to covering the Transformers issues of the Marvel run. Also going to cover in the future, a uh, Star Wars issue I've talked with Chuck about possibly actually us, him and I going back and covering together the Devil's Do run of G.I. Joe, because that I know is a fan favorite. It's a favorite of mine. I would even love to cover at some point the Dreamwave run of Transformers. Um, so there's there's a lot of things that I want to do. I want to get back to covering those old classic issues. I want to get back to the main classic ones that just haven't covered in a long time. So, in, like I said, in this episode, we're going to be covering Transformers uh, issue 11, uh, and I'll kind of bring you a little bit up to speed as to where we left off, and then we'll get into that issue and, and cover that. Before I do that, wanted to 
kind of give a quick update, and I promise this is not something that I'm going to mention every episode. Uh, I mean, I'll probably mention it as part of the like clo- normal closing and everything else. But I uh, wanted to mention the Patreon thing just one more time. The only reason I wanted to mention it is because I think last time I mentioned it on an episode that I didn't cover like what the tiers were because I think I wasn't sure what they would be and what you get for them and all that type of stuff. So I want to make sure that I do cover that with you guys just so that you know what's out there for you. So first off with Patreon, what it is is it's meant to help creators continue to create. And what I can tell you from what I'm looking to do is any money that you guys would donate, whether you do the lowest tier or the highest tier, I'm grateful for, I'm very thankful for, but 100% of that money is going right back into this show. So none of it is being used to help me like pay bills or, well, other than bills for the show, (laughs) you know, like websites and things like that. But none of it's going towards me being able to buy merchandise I want or buy original art pages or anything like that. 100% of it is going right back into the show. So whether that's buying a new camera so that I can film better quality stuff for you guys, or if it's going into uh, better editing software or lighting or or anything like that, uh, audio equipment. Uh, like I'm looking to, to buy a portable audio recorder that'll give me better quality when I am at shows to be able to interview people quickly or just talk with fans and everything else. Because I'd love to be able to go up to somebody at a show that listens to the show and just have a conversation with them and record it and put it out there for you, all you guys to hear us talk. Because there's so many times there's awesome conversations that we just have at shows uh, that would just be great to be able to record and, and share with you guys. So so with Patreon, what you get is uh, there's three tiers. There is a level, a $3 level, and the $3 level is $3 a month, which I don't know, for some people I know is extremely tight, and I totally understand that, and by no means do you need to do anything at all. But if you want to do $3 a month, what that'll get you is it'll get you uh, all access to all of the exclusive content that will be put on Patreon. So there is, there will be episodes that are exclusive to just uh, patrons. So I'm doing the previews episodes on there. I have some other episodes that are going to be coming out as well because I did have some very generous uh, patrons and that motivated me to do some of these other side project uh, podcasts that I wanted to do. So that has motivated me because they were so, so generous. I feel like I owe it to them to get some of this other exclusive content out there for them. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing it. So it's a win-win for everybody. I'm looking to cover some Green Lantern uh, runs and Flash runs and things like that and just do some awesome reviews. So, so it'll give you access to all of that. Whether I do some exclusive videos, if I do some exclusive podcasts, whatever I do, it's going, you're going to have access to it for just $3 a month. Uh, and the way it is right now, looking at anywhere from one to two episodes every month will be exclusive. Uh, again, it's not going to slow up any of this free stuff that's going out there for you guys to be able to enjoy, but that's what it is. At $5 a month, uh, what that will give you is it will give you all the exclusive content, but it will also give you uh, a shout out on the show. And it also give you a thank you at the end of every single one of my videos. So there's a, uh, at the end of my YouTube videos, I will actually have a thank you message at the end of each one and your name will appear there. 
So that's just for a couple more bucks a month. And again, I know that's not much, but at the same time, it's meant the whole Patreon thing is meant to try to help me get to some of these goals to produce better content for you guys. So you still win in the end, even. Uh, but I wanted to get do something for someone that gave just a little bit more. At $10 a month, now you're at sponsorship level. So what that means is you get access to everything I just mentioned. You get all the things that were just mentioned. But then you also get to have me sponsor something or have us sponsor something on the show. And that is by approval. So, you know, if it's something that's questionable, I'll reach out to the person and say, you know what, I don't think we really want to promote that. Uh, it's not what the show's about. And that means if it's something controversial, like, I don't know, like, I don't want to say what it could be, but, you know, just something that's not appropriate, then I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do anything political. I'll throw that out there as an example. So that will give you sponsorship. And I did have two people that reached at the sponsorship level, and that was uh, Matt Anderson donated, and he didn't really have anything to promote. He was just wanting to help out the show, and he was happy to do it. And I told him I would just mention his name on the show uh, because he's a sponsor. Uh, and then uh, Jonathan Morgantini, uh, he also uh, did the $10 level, and he wasn't looking to really promote anything other than something that I think you guys would be interested in. And that's it, that he is looking to put together a role-playing game that involves G.I. Joe. He got this uh, role-playing little guide thing, and he looked at it and realized he could change it into a role-playing game involving G.I. Joe by creating some stories himself. And he's a a uh, guy that's been writing for a long time. He really enjoys it, and he loves creating new stories. Uh, he's shared ideas and everything else with me. He's very creative, so I think it's a really cool idea. He's looking for about four volunteers that would record with him on Skype. You guys would coordinate together, and when that would work out, and do a role-playing game with G.I. Joe, and it would be the early days of, of Joe. So G.I. Joe hasn't been formed yet, the story that he would be doing role-playing would be you guys helping to form G.I. Joe. So I think it's a really cool idea. I think that you guys would have a lot of fun with it. So if you're interested in being one of those volunteers, then let me know. Uh, either let Jonathan know. So if you've seen him on Facebook, he's on Facebook all the time commenting on the different group pages and everything else that we have. So if you see him, you can reach out to him directly. That perfectly fine and let him know that you're interested and then you guys can work that out. If you don't know Jonathan or you're not on our Facebook page or anything like that, then you can reach out to me by email or something like that and I will reach out to Jonathan for you and get you connected with him. Uh, so I'm happy to help in any way, shape or form to make this possible. And he says if it goes well, he might record it and then we might use it as one of our episodes. So this way everyone can enjoy it and everyone can kind of hear what it's all about. So just wanted to mention the sponsors there uh, and uh, wanted to thank them. Uh, definitely. I also want to thank Brian Lang. He was also one of our contributors. He, uh, so I just wanted to throw it out there. I wanted to let you guys know what the tiers were. So this way you could see that it, I'm not, if you're able to do something, I'm not asking you to donate a lot to get all the exclusive content. Like I said, it's $3 a month and you get access to all the exclusive content along with the regular episodes. And the great thing too that I'm doing with Patreon is if you have the Patreon app or you go to the Patreon website and you are a patron, 
you will have access to everything that's produced. So whether it's one of these normal episodes or it's the Patreon exclusive episodes or it's one of the YouTube videos, I'm going to have all of those on the Patreon page. So everything that I produce is going to be on the Patreon page. So if you're a patron, you will have access to all of it. Uh, and I think that's pretty cool. So, so with that being said, let me go ahead and get into the actual Transformers issues. And what this is, uh, kind of where we left off, is Optimus Prime has been, uh, is just ahead right now. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't mean he's ahead, I mean he's literally just ahead. Uh, he was captured by Shockwave. He, Shockwave is looking to use his ability uh, with the Matrix to generate new Decepticons. Optimus uh, had Buster come uh, in to try to save him and, and Autobots and stuff, and Bust, he transferred the Matrix power to Buster. So he's no longer able to actually... Optimus is no longer able to create new life or anything like that when it comes to new Transformers. Uh, we have, back on the arc, we have uh, GB Blackrock, who is the owner of an industrial empire. Uh, he's helping out the Autobots, and Blackrock is somebody that's showing up in the current IDW run, uh, which I think, so that's pretty cool. Like, a lot of these characters are being reinvented and reused uh, for the current IDW universe, so very cool. So that's kind of where we left off, is that you know Optimus is in trouble, uh, and I find it very interesting that Optimus Prime, for several issues now, has been just ahead. He is like one of the, you know, for me, he's my favorite Transformer. Uh, and I think he's the fam favorite Transformer for a lot of people. I find it really interesting that they were able to tell a very compelling story that really engrossed people. And the main character, the main leader of the good guys, is not really a factor in the story right now. So... He still plays a role, but he's just not a big factor. So, so issue number 11 here is called Brainstorm. And where we pick up in the story is Buster Witwicky is, uh, they're describing him. He prides himself on being among the top ranked in his high school. He's an A student uh, in every class, uh, but he's having some problems dealing with what he's experiencing right now. What he's experiencing right now is that he's able to move things with his mind. And again, it's because he's had this matrix put in, uh, power put into him. And he's laying on the bed on this first page, and he's got a, a Walkman floating in the air, which is just awesome to see a, a Walkman again. You know, for people who don't know, it's like, a, I don't know, iPod with a headset instead of earbuds, and uh, you play cassettes, and anyone listening to this show should know what a Walkman is. But think of Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what he was using. So uh, he's got coins flying around and keys, and he's, he's kind of just testing out his powers. He's reading advanced physics. Uh, he's really trying to figure out what is going on with him right now. Uh, he's realizing that he's been able to do this ever since uh, Optimus Prime had him hook, him hook cables up to his head. And then just then he gets a call from his dad. Uh, his dad is down below and he yells up to him and everything goes crashing down to the ground because he lost his concentration. His dad uh, is spark plug and he's like, you know, got some tow trucking to take care of and uh, go get a vehicle. So he's like, come on down. And spark plug actually thinks that his son has taken a big interest 
in the family business, which is auto repairs and tow service and everything else. But he was really what's been going on is Buster is trying to appease his dad so this way his dad doesn't find out that he actually was trying to help Optimus and Autobots and that he has these powers now. Uh, and he also knows his dad was injured so uh, previously, so he, he was trying to help out the business to keep it going. But now his dad thinks, you know, because he's been able to repair stuff and help out a lot because of these powers, he his dad now thinks that Buster can act, is actually enjoying and has an interest in the business, which just isn't the case. So everything did go crashing down. Buster realizes before he heads down, he better fix the stuff that broke. And what broke was this, the Walkman. So he actually uses his mind and puts it all back together. Uh, we then, uh, elsewhere, were outside the BlackRock Aerospace Assembly Plant, which previously had been taken over by Shockwave and the Decepticons, and they're using the workers there as slave labor. We're outside, and there's a military group outside, and they have to let this pizza truck go through. There's a phone number on the back of it. It's 555-2686, which is funny. It'd be great if that had been an actual phone number, not just a 555 number, but... They had to let the pizza truck through because the workers need food. I find it interesting that, you know, they didn't write anything where maybe troops tried to hide out in that pizza truck or anything like that. It seems like something that would be naturally done today uh, in a movie or a story, but uh, not so to move this story. Shockwave uh, goes to talk to Optimus and tells him, you know, we have uh, Jetfire that he wants life put into him, and he's realizing that Optimus hasn't been able to do that. So he's like, Basically, you either give him life or you're going to die. Optimus is trying to rebel. And then we get we jump back to uh, Prowl back at the Ark. He's talking with Ratchet, and, he, and they're like, can't we just go in there and save, you know, save Optimus, save uh, the people there? Uh, but with all of the innocents that are at the plant, Prowl is realizing that that would be disastrous and uh, can't really do that. Which I find interesting because in the IDW universe now, Prowl isn't as concerned about human life and everything. And it's because of things that have happened in the IDW universe. But here in the Marvel original universe, Prowl is very concerned about uh, the innocent lives of the humans. Uh, we go back to uh, Shockwave and we have Rumble reports into him. This was really cool because uh, Rumble was able... Shockwave is able to plug into Rumble, into the back of Rumble's head, and see what actually had happened, why Optimus probably doesn't have the power that he had previously. And I really like the little pixelated images because it reminds me of animation you would see back then, of like video games and everything else, at least the first couple panels. It was very blocky, and then all of a sudden you kind of see a human form, but it's it's almost like uh, the pixelated anim animation, like you, you little dot matrixes of little blocks that you would have done as a kid on an old computer to create an animation. Uh, and then we see an actual, that takes focus, and we actually see Buster, who had snuck in, uh, and Shockwave is pissed because uh, Rumble let a human get past him. So he's like, we need to go and find him and get... Uh, get the key to the creation matrix uh, from this human. So he's certain that this human holds the key to that. Then we go back to the Ark, and you know Prowl realizes that they need to go help out Buster and protect him. Prowl actually sends out Bumblebee and Blue Streak, 
And I find it really cool because I read this issue and Blue Streak is super chatty. He's super talkative. And I was like, wow, that's interesting because they kind of developed that right away with, you know, like you're reading it and you're like, wow, this character just keeps going. His mouth just keeps going, kind of like I do with these episodes. So, But he's, he's just very chatty. And when I read up on the character afterwards, I found out that he is very chatty. Like, that's part of his personality. Uh, so it was obviously established way early in this character. But the reason that he's so chatty is because his home city on Cybertron was actually destroyed. It was wiped out due to the war. And rather than dwell on the tragedy in his life, he talks. And that's kind of like his defense mechanism. So where some people it's humor, like it is for me, that for him it's just being chatty. Uh, because it doesn't give him time to focus on what he lost. He also doesn't like war, but he'll still fight for what he lost and to make sure others don't lose it. And I find that interesting because later on in this issue he kind of freezes up. And so I'm like, okay, for someone that doesn't like war, that kind of makes sense. You know, he, cause he, it felt kind of weird. Cause he was like, he seemed really confident through most of it, but that was just his bravado. That was just his talking, uh, to distract himself. But then once he was actually faced with a, a real challenge and a real moment, he kind of froze up and I'm like, okay, well that's cause he doesn't like war and what, war did for him you know that's you know there's almost like a post-traumatic stress disorder there for him so it's really deeper than you would think on on first reading this series and everything else until you really look into these characters so so blue streak and uh bumblebee race off to go after buster uh the pizzas are delivered for the guys we hear them chatting a bit and they talk about how it's a little bit cold so Laser beak actually fires a uh, laser blast to heat it up. Then he turns into a cassette and is handed to the pizza guy. The pizza guy delivers the cassette out to the uh, general that's outside or the colonel that's outside. And he plays the message. The colonel plays the message. And the message says, attention, fleshlings. This is Decepticon Commander Shockwave. You have one Earth hour to pull back your forces at least 12 miles from the site, failure to heed these orders shall result in the termination of life functions for the hostages and for you as well. Colonel doesn't can't think of anything else to do other than to listen to those orders. And Laserbeak jumps out and flies away. And the Colonel actually orders for Laserbeak to blow, be blown out of the sky, which I'm like, okay, you just got an order to pull back and otherwise people are going to die. And you decide you're going to pull back, but then you're going to shoot at one of the enemies, which I don't know, in my mind says that you're not pulling back, but like, that's the message that you're sending to them. We're not pulling back. In fact, we're going to try to kill you. So it was not a good choice on his part, but luckily nothing happens. Buster and Sparkplug get back from towing a vehicle and Jesse shows up and Jesse was the girl love interest of uh, Buster in earlier issues. Uh, she's riding a bicycle. She catches up. She's acting like nothing's wrong, uh, even though previous issues, her and Buster had a falling out. So Sparkplug's like, yeah, you go ahead and take a break, head out with Jesse. They go out riding on a bike while he's gone. Bumblebee shows up at the garage and has a talk with Sparkplug. Sparkplug's like, look, I can take care of my son. 
you know, ever since you guys showed up, it's been nothing but trouble. Please just go away and leave us alone. Bumblebee's like, sure. So he leaves. Sparkplug decides that he needs to go after Buster and kind of make sure that he gets to him before the Autobots do. Uh, as he drives off, Blue Street tails him. Uh, we then catch up with Jesse and Buster, and Buster decides to use his powers to break Jesse's chain on her bike because she doesn't seem to want to talk about the falling out that they had. Uh, so he figures if he can stop her and they can talk about it, then maybe they'll be able to resolve everything because he feels bad about him snapping at her. So as they are uh, fixing the bike chain that he broke with his mind, he tells her that he's sorry about you know how that he yelled at her and everything else. And she's like, you have nothing to be sorry about. I was the one that reacted badly. She's like, I want to make up for it. And she hugs him and gives him a kiss. As she's kissing him, Sparkplug shows up, says, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, and then all of a sudden he realizes that Blue Streak and Bumblebee are right behind him. Uh, which ends up being a good thing because Laserbeak has also followed him. And Laserbeak sends a message back to Shockwave. Shockwave programs Jetfire, who doesn't have any life to him, but can be programmed as a, a robot or a machine to carry out Shockwave's wishes. Jetfire is programmed. He's sent out to go capture Buster. Laserbeak comes swooping down, fires at Sparkplug, and Sparkplug basically says, kind of reinforces what I was talking about. Blue Streak fires an ion dispenser rifle, which works as like a homing missile, and it, uh, it's a laser blast that just follows it. Think of uh, Darkseid with his Omega Beams, like they can just follow the target. That seems to be what this can do. And it nails Laser Beak. Laser Beak goes crashing down, but just as that happens, that's when Jetfire arrives. Bumblebee grabs a boulder and throws it at it, at him, but Jetfire swoops out of the way of the boulder. He's being, uh, Jetfire's attacking at Bumblebee. Bumblebee yells to Blue Streak, like, you know, shoot it down. It's making another pass. But just then, Blue Streak, this is where he has that panic attack or that moment where he kind of freezes for a moment. Uh, and unfortunately, it causes Bumblebee to actually get hit. Blue Streak actually, or Jetfire actually fires at Bumblebee, nails him in the knee. Uh, Blue Streak recovers because his friend's been injured, and he shoots a, a special four special missile shell that has four independent missiles that come out, and one of them ends up hitting Jetfire, and Jetfire actually is wounded and kind of flies off a little bit. He comes back, and, well, before he comes back, Sparkplug has a talk with his son and just realizes that this is when Buster admits to his dad that he has these powers. Much like happens in movies or comics stories or anything like that, if Buster had just told his dad about the powers, all of this probably wouldn't have happened. You know, Bumblebee wouldn't have been injured. They wouldn't have been attacked. Uh, they could have tried to find some type of solution, but he at least admits to it. Uh, Sparkplug, you know, tells him that, you know, I believe that, you know, you know what to do, what, what's right. I need to realize that you can take care of yourself these days. Uh, the page that I'm looking at where Sparkplug, it, he's at the top of the page and he says, you always do what's right. And Buster's like, you mean that, Dad? Sparkplug almost looks like Two-Face because of how it's colored. Like, the right side of his face is perfectly fine, but the left side of his face is in shadows, and it's like these purpley shadows, at least on, on the 
page I'm looking at. So he has this like two-faced look to it, which just cracks me up. We get Jetfire's coming back. He's swooping down to try to take away Buster uh, and everything. But Buster realizes he can use his power. Bumblebee's yelling out to him. He's like, you have the power. Use it. And all I could get in my head was... Uh, you got the touch, you know, which is just perfect for this. Like I had that song playing in my head as I'm reading, like, uh, you have the power, use it. And Buster's like, I do have the power. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. And unfortunately I also had Captain Planet pop in my head with like, the power is yours. So, but, uh, but the touch definitely played in my, my head and he does use his power and it's this full page of him just disassembling Jetfire, uh, using his power. Bumblebee points out that they can actually put Jetfire back together and might be able to use that to their advantage. Uh, he takes a chip out of Jetfire, which actually gave him his programming and everything else. Buster then uses his power to put together, put Jetfire back together. And he's like, we probably can help each other out. Just then, uh, at the end of the issue, we get uh, Prowl leading the team towards the uh, plant. Uh, I guess they decide they can actually go ahead and attack at this point. And one of the soldiers notices that the jeep that was leading them in, which I can only assume is Hound, even though they don't really show him other than maybe the back end of him. Of him. Uh, but he, the soldier notices there was nobody driving it. And the one other soldier, he's t saying this too, he's like, yeah, right, maybe he, get, maybe he got smart and turned invisible to avoid court-martial for disobeying orders because they've all been ordered to be farther back. So inside the plant, Shockwave knows that Optimus can't create life anymore. So he says, you've lived your usefulness and we are going to execute you immediately. And with that, the issue ends. Really cool issue. I really like, you know, how it's building up. I really like the artwork uh, for the most part. It's done really, really well. Um, the only thing I don't like, which I would love to see them do for these these pages and everything, is I would love to see them do uh, a recoloring because the colors just aren't that good. Like I mentioned earlier, there was the uh, page where Sparkplug looks like he's two-faced, and it's just because of the coloring. That's just all it is. There's other pages where the coloring is a bit off, um, so I would really like them to recolor some of this. Now, the writer for this issue was Bob Budiansky, uh, who I actually got to meet at Baltimore last year and then got him to sign uh, volume one that I have of these issues. And for those that don't remember way back when, and I wouldn't expect you to, uh, what I have here is I don't have the individual issues. I, I think it's a run I would like to eventually collect the actual issues to. I have very few actual Transformers issues from the Marvel run. Uh, I have a few that I had as a kid, and that's about it. But what I do have is Titan Books collected the original Marvel run uh, a long time ago. And what they did is, and let me see if I can actually find a print date up on this, a copyright date, is of uh, May of 2003 is when they did this. So it was about 14 years ago. They put together uh, trade paperbacks. They also put together hardcovers. So there was trade paperbacks and hardcovers. Each one had different covers on them. Um, so there's a little 
I had the trade paperbacks. There's a little part of me that kind of wants to get all the trade paperbacks again, but I had some of them. I got some of them in hardcover. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to get them all in hardcover because the original Marvel run has yet to be collected in hardcover editions by IDW or anybody else. But Titan Books did it back in 2003. And I ended up getting the entire run plus Generation 2 in hardcover edition. That wasn't the cheapest thing to do because some of them are really hard to find, especially like the last uh, collections, the last uh, hardcovers, uh, and some of the early ones too. But I was able to get every single one of them. They look awesome on my shelf. I use them for these episodes. Um, this one actually has all the Dinobots on the cover. It looks really cool. And this one actually covers issues, I believe it's 6 or 7 through 12 or something like that. So, uh, yeah, 7 through 12. So you get about 6 issues in every single collected edition. So, uh, and like I said, I actually really like these hardcovers. They're really sharp. They're really cool. But I took the first volume to Baltimore because Bob Budiansky was going to be there, and I got him to sign the first one. So that was really cool. Um, and he's like, I don't, he even said, I don't see too many of, of these these. The, these hardcover editions. So uh, I'm, I feel very blessed to have these in my collection. They're really cool. Bob Budiansky wrote this issue. The pencil was Herb Trimpey. So like I said, the art, the drawing at least was really, really great. Anchor was Tom Palmer, just a classic person. Uh, the letter was Diana Albers and the colorist was Nell Yamtov. Now I don't, Blame, uh, editor was Michael Carlin. Editor-in-chief was Jim Shooter. Now, I don't blame the colorist from back then, other than maybe, you know, getting some colors wrong here and there, but they had a very limited palette that they could work with. I know in recent times they did a recoloring of some of the Star Wars issues, and those look amazing because they used modern-day coloring. The art was still the same. Everything about the issue was exactly the same but the coloring was redone using modern day coloring. I would love to see them do that with these Transformers issues because I think they could be so much better with just some modern day coloring. So I really like this issue. I promise it will not be another 100 episodes before we do another one of these issues. Uh, I actually really want to get back to covering these. And it's really easy when I do these episodes just by myself uh, because I can record them at any time. When I can, I will bring people on to help me record some of these reviews. Uh, I'm definitely reserving the G.I. Joe uh, Marvel run to do with John or Robert. When I do it with them, I'm you know maybe we'll have somebody else on. I know there's some listeners that are interested in joining us for certain issues when we get to them. Uh, so I'm totally open to, to doing that. Uh, the Transformers ones, you know maybe every once in a while I'll reach out and see if someone wants to cover one of them with me. The Star Wars one's the same way, but like I said, it's easy for me to just sit down, hit record, because I've got some time, and cover one of these issues with uh, with you guys. So so that was issue number 11, and uh, sorry it had been so long since we got back to doing these issues, but again, I want to cover, the I want to do the episodes that you guys have enjoyed uh, that we've done in recent years, but I don't want to forget the stuff that you guys enjoyed that we used to do all the time. And this is the stuff we used to do all the time. Uh, you know, I've been, I'm getting back to covering the modern day comics on the YouTube channel and doing reviews on those. Those, those reviews are coming back again very, very soon. I promise you that these classic issues, we just, 
stop doing them and there's no reason to stop doing them. I love covering these old issues and some of them I'm reading some of them I'm reading for the first time. In fact, there's a lot of them I'm reading for the first time because I just never had full runs of a lot of these things. I didn't get heavy into comics until the 90s. I have done my due diligence to catch up on all the old stuff. Uh, believe me, there's a lot of comic stuff that I've read now, but it's taken me years to really get that much knowledge. Now, when it comes to the Star Joe stuff, I am still reading a lot of stuff for the first time. So uh, this issue, number 11, was an example of that. I had never read this issue before, but I really enjoyed it. So I hope you guys did too. With that, let me go ahead and give our information out. You can find us at StarJoes.com. You can find us on Facebook. We have a fan page and a group page. Uh, we're having a lot of fun on there talking about old issues kind of related to this. We've been uh, posting what our first Star Wars issue is, that comic issue is that we read, the first G.I. Joe one, and I'm about to put out, probably by the time this comes out, I will have out also uh, what your first Transformers issue was that you read. It, it's a lot of fun. Please join the group page. The second you put a request in to join the group page, I will approve it unless you are some type of spam or something like that. Uh, I always check to see if you're a real person before I approve it. And if for some reason I don't approve it because I think you're, you're spam and you are a real person, please just reach out to me and I will happily add you to the group. So um, you can also email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. We can follow us on Twitter. It's at starjoespodcast. You can, uh, we have the YouTube page where you can watch videos. Again, new videos will be coming out very, very soon. Uh, probably shortly after you hear this episode, there'll be a new uh, video out. And you can call and leave a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. Uh, I mentioned the Patreon page at the beginning of the episode. So if you can, if you're able to uh, help support the show, I greatly appreciate it. If you can't, hey, you still support the show by watching the new YouTube channel, buying merchandise if you wish to. We have Star Joe's t-shirts and coffee mugs. That supports the show. Uh, you support the show by listening to episodes and downloading episodes just to listen to them. Uh, and the biggest way you can support this show is just telling other people about it. If you enjoy this stuff and you enjoy what we do, tell other people that you know that would enjoy it as well. And uh, we can have a lot of fun by bringing more and more of the community together. I, The biggest advantage I've ever gotten from doing this show was the friendships I've made and the people I've gotten to meet and the, the knowledge that you guys all bring with you about all of this stuff. I know a lot of it and I enjoy knowing a lot of it and I enjoy learning more about it, but man, you guys bring a level of knowledge to me that is amazing and, and I can't thank you enough for that. But like I said, spread the word around. If you're on other Facebook groups uh, and that are like Transformers ones and you think that they would enjoy listening to the review of of issue number 11, tell them about Star Joes. I, it would be great to have more and more people listening and more and more people involved. So uh, with that, I'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Cybertronian War, special mission teams of Autobots and Decepticons blasted their way to planet Nebulon. There, the powerful Transformers let the intelligent Nebulons become the heads of their robots.
headmasters were still Autobots and Decepticons, and fierce new battles erupted. Follow the adventures of the Headmaster Transformers and the equally incredible Target Master Transformers in Marvel Comics.